It's an Android port of Sonic Advance? What is this? The Puyo Sega subscription service. We gotta talk about the, uh, the Engage port. Well, I mean, of course, Sonic N. Have you played it? I have. You have? Yeah, but let's leave that for the episode. <laughs> what the hell? You have an N-Gage? No, uh, there's a great story behind that. Uh, what the is- hell? Alright, I'm interested. I have not I have not played Sonic N, unfortunately. I would love to have an N-Gage. But it's one of the... N-Gage is up there with the Philips CDI and like like the wonder swan atari lynx and the atari jaguar is like consoles that have just eluded me i have a gizmondo but i don't have an n-gauge all right all right uh how, how do we start again who's gonna open oh i'll do it and uh... i bet Super Peel Out, the podcast where hedgehogs go fast and the canon doesn't matter. That's right, the canon is like Sonic N, the Sonic Advance port for the N gauge. I'm Hogarth. Um, I'm 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 JT Duckman. Um, yeah, Sonic Sonic N is pretty freaking pretty freaking pointless, all things considered. So but this yeah, is today- uh, the tenth episode of this. <laughs> And let's go. We've introduced ourselves like once. <laughs> let's like, go. Every time we I get don't... past the intro, I'm just like, oh gosh, we should introduce ourselves, and then we just move along. <laughs> we don't need to introduce ourselves. Who we are doesn't matter. Who matters is Sonic. <laughs> He's who matters. We're just merely, uh, freaking off a joke for this. We're merely just spreading the the good word of, of Sonic. This is a religion now. I mean, basically for some people. <laughs> it basically I mean, was. Yeah. Sonic Advance. I'm sorry, I'm just like... Apparently there's an Android port? We'll have to... We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, I guess. But yeah, today's topic is going to be Sonic Advance. The hit Sonic game on the Game Boy Advance. Let's just talk about one... And if we still have time, if we if we get through it really quickly, we can talk about the rest of the trilogy. But, uh, yeah, it's the beginning of a trilogy. It is on the Game Boy Advance. It's one of the first, if not, no, it is the first original Sonic game to be on a Nintendo system. Is it not? I believe it came out roughly around the same time as, like, Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, right? I believe Sonic Adventure 2 Battle was 2002 or 2003. It was. So if it came out before SA2B, then... Yeah, that would make it the first Sonic game on a Nintendo platform, which God. I guess is a bit if Sonic sacrilegious. Sonic Adventure 2 was 2000... Uh, Adventure 2 was 2003. That's also having its 20th anniversary this year. 2003 was just such a banger year. I thought 2003 was... Uh... Sonic Adventure DX, not Adventure 2 Battle. Let's look. Could could be wrong. Yeah, what Sonic games came out in 2003? Adventure 2 no. was 2000. Sonic. And... 
category two thousand. Oh, Sonic Heroes came out in two thousand three. Duh. It was two thousand two. I see. That was such well, a golden was... period for the GameCube, which is released the launch. Whole. I mean. The late 90s and early 2000s are indeed a golden year of video games, I would say, as well. And one of the games in that golden year was Sonic Advance. I'm just Segway. looking at, uh, let's have a look. Okay, so the launch titles for the Game Boy Advance were Super Mario Advance F-Zero. Uh, yes, Army Men Advance, High Heat Baseball 2002. Tony Hawk Pro Skater, Dodgeball, Banger. Uh, let's just move past all of this rubbish, uh, Pitfall, <laughs> uh, Choo Choo Rocket, and yes. Rayman. So, was was Sonic Advance a launch title like in Europe? It doesn't look like it. Huh, I could have sworn, because I know... it very early. Yeah, I know Sonic Adventure 2 Battle was a launch title on the GameCube in Europe. Because that's just oh, the system came out later. It was not a launch title in America or here. Japan. It was the same year. Uh, Sonic Adventure 2 Battle? No, uh, Advance. Well, at least in Japan yeah. it was 2001. It was 2002 outside. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty early title. It If it predates Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, then yeah. It should be the first Sonic game on a Nintendo platform. It's not very long. Uh, Sonic Advance? Yeah. I mean, it's about the same length as a ordinary Sonic game. I mean, I guess it's not as big as something like Three and Knuckles, but if you separated Three and Knuckles and counted them as individual games, then it's about the same length as the classic series of Sonic. Bad um, soundtrack, too. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, we'll definitely talk about the OST. So I guess to continue to give a little bit more context of Sonic Advance... This game was released by... It was developed not necessarily by Sonic Team, but by Dimps, correct? Dimps being a... I believe Dimps is a in-house team. Or maybe not an in-house team, but it's like a company made by former Capcom members? SNK? SNK and Capcom. Both? Including... Uh, Takashi Nishiyama and Hiroshi Matsuboto. Yes. Okay, so it was both SNK. Yeah, because Dimps... There's actually a bit of history behind this. So Dimps made a game before Sonic Advance. They made a Sonic game on the Neo Geo Pocket Color called Sonic the Hedgehog Pocket Adventure. And that was kind of their first attempt at a 2D Sonic game. Sonic Pocket Adventure is a pretty decent game. It's kind of derivative because most of the levels come off of the sort of Sonic 2 aesthetic, and it just kind of reuses the Sonic 3 soundtrack. But the point of the matter was is that they were pretty competent in making 2D Sonic games. And I guess Sega contracted them again to make a 2D Sonic game on the GBA, because at around this time, uh, 2D Sonic wasn't really having any games. The last 2D Sonic we had was 3 and Knuckles, which was in 1994. Unless you want to call something like Sonic 3D Blast a 2D game, but that's kind of its own weird isometric doohickey. Uh, I should comment that uh, Advance is the first game credited to Dimps. Pocket Adventure was made by SNK. So it probably had some of the same staff 
by yeah. completely different covers. Okay, well that's good to know. Did Dibs even exist when the Neo Geo Pocket Color was happening? I want to say no, because uh, Wikipedia says Dibs was founded in 2000. Then yeah, the Neo Geo Pocket Color, I mean I think it technically lasted that long, but... Anyways, clearly Sega had some interest from SNK, and that's why they, they hired Dimps to make some Sonic games. And Dimps would go on to actually make 2D Sonic games pretty much for the next, like, 10 years uh, with Sega. That wasn't obviously everything they made. It they made a bunch like, of other uh, weird stuff. Yeah, they made Budokai. Yeah! Dimps is a pretty, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool company, actually. It looks like they were just, I mean, they, they made the Russian adventure. It looks like people just contracted them to do all of the anime games. They're, yeah, they're one of those, uh, shadow companies. They're definitely, like, one of the companies that takes tasks from bigger companies, and they don't really get the credit on it. Like, they're in the credits sometimes, but they aren't necessarily... Their name isn't on the box or anything. You would still think, like... You would still think Sonic Advance is a Sega game, even though it was made by Dimps. There's a lot of other very small... Um, sort of shadow companies, like Kavia and Tosei and... Feel Plus, Artoon. There's a whole bunch. Hey, they made, they worked on Soul Calibur 6. Yeah, they worked on a lot of stuff. They pretty much did every like 2d or handheld sonic game i believe they did the the wii version of sonic unleashed as well sonic unleashed they did the sonic 4 games so clearly they they, they weren't always knocking them out of the park they're credited but... for the wii and ps2 ports i see so yeah i believe those are the same and they also made the ios android the ps3 360 and pc version of sonic 4 yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it looks like they did the handhelds and the uh, previous uh, gen ports for a bunch of people. What was the last game Sonic game they made? Would it would it be Sonic? It looks like Sonic... it's Sonic Four Episode Two. No, 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 it seems like they did Sonic Lost World on the 3DS. Yes, uh, I must have overlooked that one. <laughs> I still haven't played that game. Um, <laughs> anyways. So yeah, they would go on, and they uh, they have a very characteristic way of designing Sonic levels. I'd say they kind of like they they're kind of infamous for overusing bottomless pits in their games, which I don't think is as bad as it is in Sonic or like in Sonic Advance One as it is in something like Sonic Advance Two or Three or especially Sonic Rush. Oh my god, I think Sonic Rush is the worst out of their repertoire of Sonic games that they've developed that has their trademark issues in it. But, you know, I still think that they make they make pretty solid Sonic games. Even Sonic 4 Episode 1 and 2, like, they aren't good games by any stretch of the word. They aren't really that original, but, like, they don't really play that well. But, like, I don't know. They're not horrible. I'm... I'm a very hard person to upset when it comes to games, I guess. I like Sonic Forces. Anyways, Sonic Advance. Not only was this the first Sonic game 
on a Nintendo platform, and it was not necessarily the first Sonic game not handled by Sega, but it was like it was one of the one of the few uh, handled by an outside team, which it was kind of a novel idea, I'd say, for a Sonic game of that vintage to be handled not by Sega uh, and Sonic Team proper, because besides that, I think the only other times they would outsource Sonic games, there wasn't any main series Sonic games that they would ever outsource. It would always be, like, Sonic Spinball being STI, or, like, 3D Blast and R being Traveler's Tales, or I believe Hudson worked on Sonic Shuffle. But besides that, most Sonic games were in-house, so I'd say it's pretty interesting that they it's it's a DIMPS-developed Sonic game rather than the Sega one. And the other kind of noteworthy thing, besides it being, again, like a big return to form for Sonic, it basically is like the Sonic 4 before Sonic 4 had to take the name Sonic 4 and before Mania was, like, a real Sonic 4. You know, because it kind of, like, took the sort of things that worked with the Mega Drive Sonic games and sort of revitalized them while keeping the same gameplay. Like, things looked more modern. The sprite work is pretty, pretty darn good. I believe, like, you could see, even today, like, the sprites from the GBA Sonic games being used for various things. They're pretty iconic sprites. Oh, I could go on and on about that. Yeah. Because, uh, as I earlier episode, I don't remember if I did or not, I was very into the uh, spriting and hoax scene in at that time. And I Sonic see. Advanced sprites were basically the go-to for yeah. years because it was like the highest quality available already existing sprites. Yeah. Would that also include Sonic Battles sprites? Well, Sonic Battle sprites were a slightly different art style. They're a bit more ragged. So people did use those because, I mean, it's got way more phase of animation. But generally, yeah. they would stick to, like, uh, the later advanced games. I see. Yeah, Sonic Battle, that's another... That's probably its own. That's a, probably its own separate topic. That particular game. That that game's a doozy. Oh, that's a great. It's great. It you know I I like it too. I had a friend of mine game shark me all of the emo cards. Yo, that's I awesome. I still have that card. Like I mean, I was meaning to stream a whole bunch of my handheld games, but I bought this like rubbish splitter for um Amazon and it just didn't work, and I gave up. <laughs> Were you trying to stream off of, like, the GameCube? Yes, I was going to get a Game Boy Player. Yeah. Yeah, so I just gave up. <laughs> but I, I do see. still have all of my old uh, advanced carts, and I should probably get to pulling them out soon, because it's the 20th anniversary of, like, a whole bunch of games I wanted to do. Yeah. I believe my first time playing Sonic Advance wasn't actually playing just the cartridge of Sonic Advance. I believe as a kid, no, the the cartridge that I still own now is actually a combo cart that came with Sonic Advance and Sonic Pinball Party on the same cartridge. And I definitely played more Sonic Advance than I played Sonic Pinball Party. I still haven't beaten Sonic Pinball Party. You keep going on, on Pinball days. Party. I, I don't think I'd ever heard of it. <laughs> Really? It's like a... It's definitely not on my it's radar. Not, 
It's not like Sonic Spinball, where Sonic is the ball. It's more like a traditional, like, just pinball game that happens to be Sonic-themed. So it's like Pokemon Pinball. Kind of. There's a lot of weird pinball games on the GBA. There's, like, Pac-Man Pinball, Mario Pinball Land, The Pinball of the Dead. Uh, there's a lot of weird pinball stuff on on uh, on GBA. I don't know why everyone decided that was the perfect time to just make pinball games, but I kind of dig it. The cool thing about Sonic Pinball Party was that there was more boards than just Sonic. There was also Knights and Samba de Amigo boards. So it's more like a Sonic Team Pinball Party. It wasn't necessarily a Sega Pinball Party because I don't think there was any non-Sonic team games that were referenced. I think it was pretty strictly, like, Sonic, Knights, Samba de Amigo, and I think in the Samba de Amigo stage you can change the music to be, like, Burning Rangers or Choo Choo Rocket, Fancy Star Online or something like that. But those are all Sonic team. Um, but yeah, I have it in a compilation cartridge with Sonic uh, Advance, and I definitely played Sonic Advance the most. I think I played Sonic Advance the most out of all the GBA Sonic games, to be honest. Yeah, same. I mean, it was the only one that I owned. I did emulate at the time, uh, Advance 2 and 3, but I definitely played the most out of one, I think. Yeah. I can't really say for certain why. I think it's just because it's like a... I think it's because of its short length. It just makes it quick to like just pick up and play and do a run. Play yeah. through it, have a good time, put it down, till the next time, you know? There's nothing complicated about it at all, it's just like, pure, yeah, pick up and play, like a good, uh, portable game. Yeah, and the other cool thing about it, with its replayability, was the fact that, uh, not only do you have uh, Sonic Tails Knuckles as your normal, uh, playable characters to play through the game with, but you also got the fourth playable character with Amy, which, this is the first time... Uh, Amy was playable in a 2D game. I think it's the only time Amy is playable. Well, I mean, besides Sonic Advance 2 and 3, obviously. Was but, she was playable in Adventure 2? Ad well, Adventure 1, yes. But that's not a 2D game. Oh. I yeah, I sorry. Say 2D. <laughs> uh, yeah, I meant, I meant 2D Sonic games. Obviously, yeah, she was playable in Sonic Adventure 1. And, two, and... and the, uh, in the multiplayer. No, oh, yes, in the multiplayer. It was weird that they never put Amy in, as, like, a playable character in the single player of Sonic Adventure 2, because you'd think that she would have a bigger, like, role in the story besides just being, like, a cutscene character. Her inclusion was so controversial, too, because her gameplay was, like, radically different from any of the other characters. Yeah, she's definitely... I actually really liked playing as Amy, though it is also because of Amy. I was never ever actually to I was I was never actually able to beat the game as a kid because I could beat it as Sonic Tails and Knuckles but I couldn't beat it as Amy because playing as Amy is a lot harder. Yeah, so basically Amy can't roll into a ball. Uh so you can't do a roll where where you get invincibility down hills. You can't spin dash with invincibility. It's just like core. Yeah. You can't even jump on enemies with a spin attack. If you jump on enemies, you'll get hit. You have to spin your hammer mid-jump as a way to, like, time your hits. 
Yeah, so she has her, uh, her hammer. Has it... I want to yes. say always, but I don't recall if this was the first appearance of the hammer. Uh, she had it in Adventure 1. Oh, I'm going to... This before Adventure. Uh, I mean, it must have... Oh, I'm being dumb. Of course it, it couldn't was have been. before. <laughs> of course Adventure 1 was first. Yes, Adventure 1 was on the Dreamcast, which predates our friend, the GBA. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I thought that... I guess you want to just, like, go through the the levels of Sonic Advance? Yeah, um, I don't have Like we like always do? Up. I've got them up, yeah. There's... That's pretty standard fare. Um, so obviously you start with Neo Green Hill, which actually is a very fun little, I wouldn't say it's a departure from your traditional Sonic Green Hill levels, because we've been to a beach in the first level before in Sonic Adventure, which I think actually that just makes everything more coherent that like it's a fusion of the modern Sonic aesthetic with the classic Sonic gameplay, because it starts with a like a beach just like Adventure does, but it plays like your traditional little Sonic games. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a nice, chill opening. It's super chill. I, I really like Neo Green Hill. It's a great way to start the game, I feel. And, you know, actually, as someone that plays a lot of the Mega Drive Sonics, it is very refreshing to see a 2D Sonic game that doesn't start with just a whole load of green and blue everywhere. I mean, I love the Sega Blue Skies as much as anyone else. But sometimes sometimes you want just a little change. And I think Neo Green Hill is is a good way to implement that little change. To make it more... Uh, more sort of... Unique. To make it stand out, really. And yeah, I mean, the music's also super chill. It's super chill. Yeah, but I mean, also, it's pretty basic. There's, um, nothing. Oh, man, I'm just looking at the Sonic Retro page and all of the cool enemy designs. Oh, we got to talk about Metal Knuckles later. Yes, we will. That's, that's, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> um, so then the second world is the secret base. Absolute which I don't, I don't, do I, uh, I think I'm confusing it with the, the Cosmic Angel music in my head right now. It's the one with the, it's the one with the trumpets. That's, that's like every GBA soundtrack. That doesn't narrow it down. It's like the one uh, with the bombastic trumpets, like do 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 Oh, okay. Okay, that is, that was one of the ones I was thinking of. Secret Base is like... Great. I mean, the actual level, not so much, but it just got so much style to it, like the soundtrack and the, the spotlights. Yeah, I remember the spotlights. It's definitely cool. Like, I I, this looks, I think it's a little jarring uh, for it to be a super mechanically second level. The only real time you've seen we've seen that in the past was with Chemical Plant Zone in Sonic 2, going straight from... You know, your traditional Green Hill level to just something that's super industrial. And normally industrial type Sonic levels don't really vibe with me super personally. I've never really been a chemical plant or a, uh, like a Metropolis or Death Egg kind of fan. 
So I definitely remember thinking like Secret Base was just kind of like eh as a kid. But yeah, the music's still a banger. And it is still just really stylish. I think that's one of the uh, key trend or like one of the key traits of Sonic Advance is just how stylish of a little Sonic game it is. It definitely uses the GBA's power to make a Sonic game that you couldn't really make on the Mega Drive. You know? Because it's pretty colorful, all things considered. And obviously, it's not going to have, like, the the Mega Drive sort of, like, sound to it or whatnot. And the GBA sound chip is pretty distinct. But I think it's, it's definitely, it makes, it's, I don't know, its aesthetic is really interesting. I like uh, Sonic Advance in terms of, like, visual design. Yeah, like, the the backgrounds are pretty detailed, but the GBA just had a lot of really great-looking games. Especially considering the fact that this was a early GBA game. Because usually a lot of GBA games during the early days really completely like blasted out the colors because the original Game Boy Advance the the little the the not SP model didn't have a backlit screen and that screen is really hard to see <laughs> it's really hard to see you need to be shining like the whole sun at it to just see what you're looking at so a lot of games on GBA, especially around the beginning period of it, they really just washed out the colors and made it as bright as possible so that it's visible on an early GBA. But then once they added the SP model, I believe a couple of games uh, sort of changed their color palettes a bit. I think some games actually have options on whether or not you want to blast out the colors to make it more visible or if you want it to actually look more like it would on a regular screen. So yeah, having Sonic Advance be so detailed and colorful at a time where a lot of uh, other GBA games really weren't. That's another kind of distinctive factor about it. As w- all right, so then I guess going on to uh level 3, which is your standard casino level. I think all three Sonic Advance games have a casino level in them. Um, the archetype levels. I mean, yeah, you you got you got to have it. It can't be a Sonic game if you don't have a casino level. I remember the music in the casino level being really really fun actually. Oh, I don't remember it as much as Secret Base. Um I'm sure it I, was a bop because they usually are. I could be mistaking it with one of the other casino levels from the other advanced games. The whole the OSTs for Sonic Advance 1, 2, and 3 all kind of blend together in my head because GBA chip. But they are, it is a pretty good soundtrack. There's not really much else to say about Casino Paradise other than the fact that it's a casino stage. It looks cool. It's colorful like the casino stages usually are. I don't think there are any like weird gimmicks. I think maybe there was like a weird little like cup you could roll around in. But again, I could be mixing that up from something in Sonic Advance 2. They're pretty darn similar. And then after that is Ice Mountain, which is a ice level. Which... Another banger. Yes, it's another banger. And ice levels really weren't a archetype in Sonic games 
at the at least the, to the extent that they sort of are now. I don't really think they are. I mean, Ice honest. Map is basically just a rehash of Sonic Three Ice level Ice Cap. It even has the uh, the snowboarding. It does. Yeah, don't you like start the level on a snowboard? I don't remember. Oh yeah, I need to replay Sonic Advance. Clearly, I don't remember if it starts on the snowboard. I keep mixing up again Sonic Advance One's ice level with Sonic Advance Two's ice level because they're pretty similar. I would say I think I like Two's ice level a little bit more than One's, but One's is also still a bit of a vibe. I think I remember. I think I remember Sonic Advance One's ice mountain having the the traditional dimps bottomless pits everywhere like i remember there's like a, a water section where you just kind of jump on these little platforms of ice and if you fall off you just die okay i'm not seeing anything about it so i might be wrong uh so i'm taking a look at the video i don't see a snowboard am i going crazy was this a different game i think i mean it's a pretty i think it's a pretty common hallucination to just imagine sonic on a snowboard in an ice level I was sure it was in it. What on earth? <laughs> I, it's alright. It happens to the best of us. He's on a board in the special zones. Yes, he is for some reason. But yeah, honestly, I think like Casino Paradise, Alice Mountain, it's a good zone, but it doesn't really do anything like super unique compared to the rest of the zones. It just kind of feels like it fills the spot, you know, the it checks the off the list of like, okay, there's an ice level. Okay, there's a casino level even though ice levels aren't really super characteristic in sonic games to that point i mean there are a few but yes it's not really a uh not like a troll game yeah but you know what's super interesting is the next level which is angel island but it's like it's not at all the angel island that we were used to in sonic 3 what with it being very jungly or, I still don't understand whether or not Angel Island is a zone or a place. It seems like it flip-flops because there's the zone Angel Island, which is just the jungle level in Sonic 3 that catches on fire. But Sonic 3 is supposed to entirely take place on Angel Island. So is there just a place on Angel Island called Angel Island? It's we could do a whole episode on this. It's basically part of this, guys. Is it? The the level... The one in Wait. The one... Is it? I mean, I just, I, mean, I just looked at a picture of it. It basically is. I mean, yeah, it looks like Sky Sanctuary. It's definitely more, like, ruins-y. It's more beige than the... Sky Sanctuary's kind of bright white. In terms of color palette. But, yeah, it's definitely... It has more of a ruin aesthetic to it. Which is, you know, kind of expected of Angel Island, uh, based off of, like, Sonic Adventure, which is, you know, kind of what the the aesthetic they were kind of going for. So, it makes sense, but I do think it's a little weird that it's Angel Island. But, I don't know, it's cool. I like it. I remember playing, that was my, like, favorite level as a kid, was just because, like... Not only was the level kind of interesting, it wasn't really that interesting, like, uh, visually, because it's just kind of like some gray, or not gray, some beige ruins, compared to, like, Casino Paradise, just kind of throwing colors at you. 
But level design-wise, I remember Angel Island being a pretty interesting little romp. And the boss fight there was definitely the highlight because it starts off as like a fight against this like pink knuckles right it's like pink knuckles with yellow gloves and you're just like what the hell it's knuckles and then you keep fighting it and eventually it like explodes and turns into a metal knuckles like i think he throws like missiles at you and I thought it was crazy because, like, I was so used to just only fighting Eggman. So fighting something that wasn't Eggman was super cool. And it also doubles as a sort of reference to when you fight Knuckles in Sonic 3. So yeah, I thought that was really cool. I mean, really, I was really always cool. interested in, like, the metal characters and, like, stuff like this. I thought it was interesting. I mean, Metal Sonic is my favorite Sonic character for good reason. The metal, the metal characters are the coolest so yeah, I definitely was super interested in seeing uh, Metal Knuckles in Sonic Advance. And then I never proceeded to show him ever again! Thanks, Sega! Very cool. Uh, but yeah, no, Angel Island I think is... I think it's the sort of highlight of Sonic Advance in terms of its levels, just because of, of how interesting it is. Yeah. I wonder if it was a reference to, like, Mecha Knuckles. It could have been. I still don't really understand Mecha Knuckles' existence in Sonic R. Whether or not that was just to fill in an extra character slot, or if Sega actually wanted to plan something with that character and never did. But then again, like, Sonic R also had the Tails doll, which is like... That's where we already did an episode on Sonic R. Yeah, so we discussed the Tails doll. And yes. we're kind of saddened about how the original Creepypasta isn't available anymore. Wait, it's not? No. It's been so long, it's been so long since we recorded that. No, it's like gone. Like, what the hell? I'm so bad. How can we be freaked out on the Tails doll? If we, how can we feel the sunshine? <laughs> we don't have the, the, the freaking the Creepypasta. Or not the Creepypasta, the Creepypasta. Yeah, I couldn't find it. I mean, it's probably gone. It, I, I would trust you to be able to find those things pretty, pretty easily. What with your knowledge of like early to mid two thousands Sonic culture on the internet. I, I, so if I'm, you say I'm it's gone, it's probably gone. Because like, it seems like the sort of thing that must have been archived. But like, uh, oh my god. Cool creepypasta stories at weebly dot com. Two thousand and three. What? Is this go. it? Holy! Did you find it? Found media. Uh, it's on. It's archived on Weebly from two thousand and thirteen. Let's go. Uh, I uh, no, this can't be it. Hang on, hang on. Uh-oh. I can't believe we're having a. Segway about the Tales doll creepypasta. We have segwayed so much this episode. I'm kind of, this is pretty chaotic. I kind of am down for it though. Okay, there's the Tales doll curse on creepypasta wiki. Can we can we change this uh, this episode's title from like Sonic Advance to like Sonic Advance like comma probably <laughs> because we've been freaking jumping around so much. We've talked about... These are two different creepypastas. I mean, there's probably like 80 million creepypastas about the Tails doll. 
the thing is, like, I don't think... I don't recall if either of these were the original. Because there's one linked on Know Your Meme. There's one on Weebly. Who knows? Like, it's been so like... long. I'm, I don't know if I could recognize the original if I saw it. <laughs> I feel like Know Your Meme probably has enough meme scholars to to know the the your true original. But yeah, that was a that was a fun time. That was like one of the the first <laughs> creepy pasty for video games. It was, yeah. Like I don't know of anything that came before that. There must have been like some Final Fantasy related thing, but at least in the circles that I was in, this was the first one. <laughs> The only early creepypasta I can really remember, like, that would, that could predate Tales of Dollar, maybe be Ben Drowned, but... No, Ben Drowned is I... after. Well, then... Not long that... after, but... Well, then, that goes to show my knowledge of creepypastas. Ben Drowned ended recently. Wait, it was going? It was going. It went places, like... I only knew about, like, a few years ago it started up again, and then I wasn't really following it because I'm I'm not great on jump scares or anything like that. Uh, but there's this podcast, The Argonauts, that I listen to, and they cover ARGs, and they did, like, a four-parter on Ben Drowned, and it goes places. God damn, I was not aware of this. What are we talking about? <laughs> Yes. Oh yes, Metal Knuckles, okay. Metal Knuckles, yeah. I, I don't really know if he was just going to be like a throwaway character, but it did for a brief moment of time, playing Sonic R and Sonic Advance, feel like Sega was doing something with like a mechanized Knuckles. And then we really haven't seen them again. Maybe he'll show up in the in the future, you know? I don't know. With how referential Sonic seems to be now, uh, going forward with Frontiers, we might we might see... Uh, metal knuckles in the future. You never know. Well, the uh, Argonauts podcast webpage site is terrible, so I think I'll just uh, link their Twitter in the show notes. You'll just have to find it on your podcast platform and drown yourself because I'm not going to be able to link it. Understandable. Uh, and then the last levels of Sonic Advance, I believe uh, every, I, I think Sonic Advance had a two-act structure, right? Yes. Every zone had uh, one act, and then the second act that ended with the boss. And I believe the last world just kind of has two distinct zones that were one act each. It's act one was Egg Rocket, and it's act two was Cosmic, or Cosmic Angel? Yeah, Cosmic Angel. And, you know, it's your pretty typical Death Egg, big cyber level at the end, you know? Big machines, big big Sonic, big Eggman. I um, seem to recall that the last... Because the boss was in two sta three stages, and the third stage was supposed to be quite difficult. Which which boss? In uh, egg zone. <laughs> Hang on, let me. Look. Egg zone in cosmic. I know cosmic angels boss. Cosmic angel wasn't in advanced one. Yeah, it was. No, the last zone in advanced one was zone X. Well, yeah, but that's like a boss rush zone. Yeah. 
Yeah. But Cosmic Angel did have a boss. I, I know this because this is the boss I couldn't kill as Amy. And that's what killed my run when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Go- it had a uh, it wow. had a boss on like a bridge, and you had to like jump on the bridge to flip him over, and then you hit him once he's flipped over. Wow, I completely scrubbed Cosmic Angel from my memory, but yeah, looking at that background, I definitely remember that. I guess I just I, I remember the music though. The, the music being like da 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 do da da do da da do da 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 do do da do 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 da da I think oh yes, here it. it is. Here's the damn third boss with a bloody arm that just grabs you from everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I also remember Egg Rocket, the level before Cosmic Angel, having a lot of just weirdly placed things. Like, there's a lot of springs in that level that just launch you right into spikes, which, like... I guess it is the last level, so ha, got him, I guess. But it's it's a lot of, like, beginner's traps that once you know, you won't really fall for again. But when you're playing through it on your first time, it's just like, oh, okay, I guess I hit a spring that would normally launch me to the next part of the level. Instead, it just launched me to spikes. Darn. They got me. Uh, which I guess, I don't know, it... I think a lot of people like to make fun of Dimps for having bad level design, but I don't think it's too bad. I know Egg Rocket gets pretty clowned on uh, for its level design. I, I definitely can't defend that one, though, because, yeah, it can get pretty bad with its beginner's traps. But I do think, altogether, Sonic Advance is one of the lesser Dimpsy games in terms of its Dimps level design problems, I guess. And then, yeah, it does end with Zone X, which actually, I I really liked Zone X as a kid, because it's a boss rush, but the bosses are taken from the Mega Drive games before ending with a, a unique original boss. And I always liked that, because I had played the Mega Drive games beforehand, so I was like, oh, it's the checker ball from Sonic 1, oh, it's... The the drill car that's easy as hell to kill from Sonic 2. And I believe they even had the music from each game play. Basically, and it, yeah. kind of, it felt pretty pretty celebratory in that sort of way. I, I really enjoyed that. And I think that kind of... That kind of embodies the sort of second sort of, I feel, design philosophy with Sonic Advance. I feel like there are two sort of main philosophies that the game went under. The first philosophy being, obviously, merge the aesthetics and style of 3D Sonic with the gameplay of 2D Sonic. And then the second being to make a Sonic game that... to make a pretty, like... no, not necessarily by-the-numbers Sonic game, but to make a sort of quintessential Sonic game to introduce new players. Because I believe, obviously, they would know, making the game, that it is the first Sonic game on a Nintendo platform. And in being on a Nintendo platform, there's going to be a bunch of people who hadn't bought Sega platforms in the past getting into this as their first Sonic game. So I think that 
What did we rate this on our on our new Sonic? Literally last week. What did we What did we rate this? Did we give this a, a three or four out of five on our so, Sonic yeah. Beginner? Because yeah, I mean, it was kind of designed to be a new, like, to be a newcomer's first Sonic game, and I think that like. Well, with it hitting the same tropes, like, yeah, the casino level and ice level are a little unoriginal. And I guess you could probably say it's not too original to just rehash some early bosses for Zone X. But for a newcomer, you know, it's all fresh and new. It's it's trying to do, like, uh, making a, a Sonic game for newcomers and uh, long-term fans. I think they did a pretty good job, you know? And then the last kind of two things are there is the special stage, right? Which apparently you have to find the seven bonus springs scattered throughout the level. I never could find them as a kid, so. I mean, uh, we had to look this up because we were talking about it uh, yeah. before the recording. But I thought they were like giant rings that you had to jump into. No, they're you... like giant springs. I'm so confused. Like, I was it... certain. <laughs> Sonic Advance, man. Uh, and then the special stage itself. It's alright. Uh, it's... You just you just kind of, like, fall down a tube with a snowboard for some reason. And you collect rings and you just need to reach a ring quota. Like, your traditional Sonic special stages. That's nothing super to write home about. But collecting all of the Chaos Emeralds does get you the true ending... Where you fight against Robotnik, or Eggman, whatever you want to call him, on the moon as Supersonic. There's no, like, Supersonic transformation in levels. It's another kind of, I think that's another sort of Dimp's uh, level design philosophy of making the special stages kind of obtuse, and making Supersonic just a final boss kind of thing. Because, yeah, that so those trends do not go away in Sonic Advance 2 and 3 going forward in the series. Or Sonic Rush. Or Sonic Rush Adventure. Haven't played Colors on the DS. So no comment on that. But yeah. Um, and that pretty much is Sonic... Oh, wait, no! There's still other things we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. I forgot. You forgot, I forgot about what... the Chow Gun. I did! That was one of the two things I, I forgot. Uh, yeah, this game is a freaking chow garden, but it's not like... It's weird. I, I the, the chow gardens in the GBA games, all of them have one, except Battle and Advance 3. So not all of them have them. And I'm not even going to mention Sonic Genesis. Um, but... Sonic Advance, Sonic Advance 2, and Sonic Pinball Party have tiny shell gardens, which are like regular shell gardens, except they are tiny, which means that there's not as much customization you can do to it. It's pretty much like a Tamagotchi, where you just kind of let it idle, and you can play minigames to get rings, or you could just collect the rings in the main game. And what you can do is you can use those rings to buy food to upgrade your Chow's abilities. Funny story about that, actually. Um, I believe when I was in high school, I was 
trying to 100% Sonic Adventure DX, get all the emblems. And there was a lot of emblems locked behind the Chow Garden, so I needed to raise a Chow. And obviously, the Chow raising system in, uh, in Sonic Adventure DX, I believe it takes from SA2B, but it's kind of weird, mostly in that, like, there's not really any way to influence their... I mean, I think you can influence their transformations through the animals you collect in the game, but I think the animals are all different. It's not really as, like, organized as Sonic Adventure 2. I couldn't get into Sonic Adventure 1's Chow, Chow Garden no, as much as I, I could mean, Sonic Adventure 2. No, I mean, I must have put in a few hours, but it certainly wasn't anywhere near as much as uh, Adventure 2. Okay, wait, actually, for the record, how much did you play of the Chow Garden in Adventure 2? Oh, don't, don't start. Like, for one, okay. thing, I, for one thing, my memory card got corrupted, so I had to redo the entire thing. Okay, okay. well, I guess my question is... I never got a is... Chaos Chow. Okay. I have, I have two Chaos Chows. Um, or Chaos Chow? Singular? Plural? I think the plural of Chow was Chow. Anyways, I also actually have a, well, quote-unquote, like, I have the closest thing you can possibly get to a legitimate Tails, Knuckles, and Amy Chow. So, that's, that's kind of cool. Well, you can get those really easily with PC mods these days. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about on the GameCube. So, like... Without using action replay codes. Just, uh, in case... Some people don't know what we're talking about. The Chow is basically like this uh, virtual pet, cute little virtual pet character that uh, everyone loves. <laughs> yes, and it, it seems like at first, like you first get into the Chow Garden, you just think, oh, okay, you can just level it up. That's cool. And you just like race them and fight them. That's fine. It's just like a little mini game. But if you look into it, the the well for Chow runs very deep, mm. and the amount of customization and sort of personalization you can put on your Chow is is unreal, and it absolutely can and will suck away so many hours of your of your life just playing freaking Sonic Adventure for the Chow. And I think it's, the Chow Garden is. Probably half of the reason why Sonic Adventure 2 is such a fantastic game. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly one of the more memorable parts of the game. It's The funny thing about the Chow Garden is I think it is, like, ubiquitously the most consistently asked for feature by fans. <laughs> I remember... Had it back. I don't know why, because they could just print money. <laughs> It's funny because yeah, the uh the Sonic Twitter I wanna say, they asked like, what feature would you want to see come back in the Sonic series? And the replies were pretty much just swarmed with everyone saying Chow Garden. And then I think like the next week someone asked uh Izuka if it was gonna be in Frontiers and he said no. So it's just the funniest thing, is just hearing everyone everyone constantly say how much they want the Chow Garden back, and then whenever they actually, like, make a new Sonic game, they're like, there's not gonna be a Chow Garden in this game. I think that's the funniest thing. 
they must have a reason for not bringing it back. I mean, I feel like the Chao system in Sonic Adventure 2 would be extremely hard to... Uh, it, would be, it would be hard to replicate, period, but it would be even harder to surpass, I would say. Because I, uh, I mean, it goes deep. There, when we when we do our Chow episode, there is like Chow genetics that you can talk about in terms not only of their stats but also their appearance. You can like selectively breed like the perfect Chow to your standards, and it it's insane. And then there's like the glitch Chows where you can make it like transparent or invisible. Oh my god, I could go on forever about Chow. I'm sure that we can and will. Yeah. Um. But anyways, the Chow Garden and Sonic Advance. I do remember. I used. I brought my GBA with me to school to just play Sonic Advance and grind rings to buy, uh, food for the Chow that I was raising to beat Sonic Adventure DX. Because Sonic Adventure DX's Chow system is a little weird. It's. I want to say it's more like fruit oriented than. Uh, just kind of collecting regular items throughout the game. Well, the like one you in, can uh, in yeah, the one in advance is basically you just buy fruit for your chow, and you can link it to. Could you link it to Adventure One? You you could link it to Adventure One or Two. Uh, did it? <sighs> you can use it to transfer your rings to and from the games. You could use it to transfer any fruits that you have purchased. And you can use it to transfer the Chow themselves or any Chow eggs. Because Sonic Advance and Advance 2 and Pinball Party, the Tiny Chow Garden is the only way to access Jewel Chow in the GameCube Sonic Adventure games. The only way to get Jewel Chow, like the uh, the Ruby, the, um, the Sapphire, Emerald, Topaz, Aquamarine... Garnet, those chows, the only way to get them is if you buy their eggs in the Tiny Chow Garden in Sonic Advance and transfer the Tiny Chow Garden eggs to your GameCube. I don't recall... Oh no, I must have gotten them, but they weren't very... I never used them. <laughs> I, I think I used a couple of Jewel Chow. I, I bred a whole bunch of gold and silver chow because you can get gold and silver from Sonic Adventure 1 through the gold egg being in the antique shop in Station Square and the silver egg being like in a waterfall in Mystic Ruins. I think Egg Carrier had a had a black chow egg, mm. but you you could just you could just buy the black chow egg in Sonic Adventure 2, so I didn't really need that as much as the silver and gold eggs that I transferred over because I pretty much used Sonic Advance to transfer Chow to and from Sonic Adventure 1 and 2. Fair. I mean, I think that was basically what a lot of people used it for. Yeah. I do think that the Tiny Chow Garden is just like a very, I guess, underrated little feature of the, the Sonic Advance games. Though I do, I will say, actually, if you only have the Tiny Chow Garden, if you don't have the GameCube games to link it up to... I do think the Tiny Chow Garden is kind of boring because there's not really anything you can do with your Chow's stats. There's no races you can put it on or battles. 
you can only just really play two mini games to get like money. I think maybe it can increase your Chow's like locker intelligence, like their secret stats, but I don't think it does. I'm not sure. Um, dear God, the next episode we're doing is absolutely going to be the Chow episode. I'm calling it now. We're doing it. Um, two hour long episode, baby. Two hours? More like freaking. It's just gonna be a twelve hour long ramble on Chow. Um, and then the last sort of feature before we can talk about the uh, the 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 fun part of Sonic Advance. Uh, the last sort of feature, I don't really... I think I've used this feature once. Is Did you know Sonic Advance has multiplayer? I've never used it. Exactly. Um, I want to say... One year ago. I want to say last year. I got a Game Boy link cable. Like, between two Game Boy Advances. And... I was just kind of using it. I didn't really. I don't really have anyone else to play GBA games with, so I was just kind of, um, just you know, testing it. And yeah, no, Sonic Advance. Sonic Advance actually has single pack multiplayer, so you don't even need four copies of the game to get a four-player game going. I did eventually like ring over one of my friends to to give some GBA multiplayer a try. We played a handful of stuff. We played Sonic Advance. And it's just a pretty standard race mode. Um, obviously, I haven't played it super, uh, super intensely. But I feel like if I was like a, if I was a school goer that had friends with GBAs in a link cable around the GBA time, like I don't know, it could be a fun little distraction. It'll be a fun thing to do during, like, freaking school breaks or whatever. You know? I might have played it, like, once. Yeah. It's definitely, I feel, a like, pretty underutilized... Maybe not underutilized, but it's definitely, like, a, I feel, feature that not a lot of people have done. I don't think a lot of people have played multiplayer games on GBA, just period. Just due to the fact that... It requires a link cable, and I feel like most people that had link cables for the GBA were pretty much using it exclusively to trade Pokemon and not really play games together. You know? Yeah. That was kind of the, the point of those little link cables. And so I played Sonic Battle. I wish I could... I, I the, the friend that I wrangled over to play GBA games... He only wanted to play, like, one round of Sonic Battle. I was like, what the hell, man? I can't wait for GBA emulators to have net play for, like, the, uh... That, that simulates the link cable over the internet because there's so many GBA games I would love to play over the internet with friends. Does it not? And Sonic Advance would be one of them. I feel like the Pokemon people must have already figured that out, but I guess they just Suppo like, move on. I don't really... I don't think any GBA emulator can simulate the link cable over Wi-Fi. 
I believe the closest thing you can do is you can run four instances of the same GBA emulator on one system, on one PC. And then you can link each of those instances up on the same computer, like local multiplayer. And I believe you can parsec that, but there's not like any way to simulate the link cable over the internet. At least not yet. I'm hoping someone's doing it. My My hope is that the Dolphin team gets on it because the Dolphin developers, they've been really, uh, they, I don't, I don't think it's really been super recently, but they did, a, there was a time where they were working on getting GBA and GameCube, like, link support super nice over Netplay. And I believe they're also working on getting the Game Boy Player working over Netplay. So it's like, I don't know, they already have it so that it runs four GB or MGBA instances on uh, Netplay, and you can hide the other three instances. So I feel like if you could just do that Netplay and then just hide the other three in instances and just use that for uh, your regular GBA games, you should, in theory, be able to do Netplay through uh, on GBA games. Because, yeah, there's a lot. I want to play Sonic Advance. I want to play Sonic Battle. I want to play Kirby and the Amazing Mirror. I want to play the, uh, the Mario Advance, like, Mario Brothers game. Because that supports four players. Ideally, we just need to have, like, Nintendo put it on... and. Uh, Switch online, put GBA on, and then freaking get Sega to put the Sonic Advance games, the Sonic Battle on. Last there needs to be a way. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, Sonic Advance did come out on Japanese Virtual Console, didn't we? Didn't we find that uh, last week when we were talking about the Sonic games that gotten re-released? I believe, yeah, they were on Wii U Virtual Console, but only in Japan. Because I believe the publisher of the Sonic Advance games in America was THQ for some reason, and not Sega. So I think there's some sort of publishing rights issue with getting the US versions distributed. Anyways. But, uh, that aside... Sonic Advance also is not only known as Sonic Advance, because it did have a port to the N-Gage that we talked of, or that we uh, sort of referenced at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, so as I said before we yes. started recording, I have played Sonic N. Legend. So, the first Indonesia school trip, um, we... There was some, uh, I guess they went to the local school. I don't even remember what this was. We must have had an exchange with uh, a school there so long ago. And one of, we went to some, like, random cafe or viral or something. And one of the guys there had an N-Gage and he had Sonic N. And I was like, whoa, dude, you're playing the N-Gage. <laughs> that, that, that guy is a legend. Wherever even he is then, now. Even then. I mean, this was years after the engage had been like a laughing stock. So I mean, I guess he. What what year would it would have been? Oh my goodness! Uh, I will want to say two thousand five. Uh, let me have a look. 
I might have a reference. I don't have the pictures anymore, but I might have 2011. It was 2011? Apparently. I don't have the pictures anymore, but I have a folder that says 2011 Indonesia. <laughs> I see. But that's strange then... because that was after I graduated high school, so it must have been earlier than that. Oh, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I wanted to say like 2005, 2006, but who knows? If it was 2005 and 2006, then that would definitely be more of the time to be playing Engage. If that guy was still playing Engage in 2011, like he's a true legend. But I believe because Sonic N came out in 2003, so that's getting a 20th anniversary this year. Sonic N better bust out the Engage. Of all the games, but, that have a 20th anniversary this year. Uh. But Sonic N is basically a support of Sonic Advance to the N-Gage, which, for those of you that do not know, the N-Gage is a wonderful little taco-shaped device. That was actually pretty ahead of its time, if you think about it. But it is a handheld... Basically, it was Nokia's attempt to make a hybrid handheld gaming console and phone in one sort of device. Which, I like I said, it's... A little bit ahead of its time in terms of, like, it being kind of forward-thinking, kind of trying to make, like, a smartphone before smartphones were things, and doing, like, a phone that does more than just phone things. But it did look like a taco, and you held it up to your head in a really dumb way. And the original model, if you wanted to switch games, you had to take out the battery. Um, it, it was a bit of a mess. They did fix it a little bit with the revision model, but by then the damage was already done, and it didn't really catch on the same way that I feel Nokia was hoping. The library for the N-Gage is actually really, really interesting, just because they had, like, a lot of relatively high-budget, or maybe not high-budget, but high-profile titles on the thing. There was, like, there's, like, a King of Fighters game, there's a Tomb Raider game on there, there's an Elder Scrolls game on there. There's uh, Tony Hawk, there's Sonic, Puyo Puyo. There's, yeah, I was gonna say, there's Poyo Poyo, there's Super Monkey Ball, like, they got a lot, like, Sega supported that thing, and a lot of other devs did, it just didn't really uh, take off the way that it did. And one of the other things about the N-Gage, and especially its port of Sonic Advance, is the fact that the N-Gage's screen resolution is actually a vertical it's a vertical uh, aspect ratio. Yeah, like you would expect for a mobile phone in the 2000s. Yeah, which makes sense for a phone, but doesn't really make a lot of sense for Sonic. Because it basically meant that if you were playing in the full screen mode, you're basically playing Sonic, but you can only see like a couple pixels ahead of you. <laughs> which, when you're going really fast in Sonic, that definitely causes a couple problems. Especially uh, on levels like Egg Rocket where you can easily run into the springs that will just launch you into spikes. I believe there's another mode that you can actually see a little bit more, but it puts leather... Is it leather boxes if it's on the top and bottom? But it does box? basically... Uh, yeah, I thought leather boxes only if it's on the sides, but maybe it works too if it's on the, uh, the top No, bottom. I want to say uh, leather boxes is usually like uh, vertical, isn't it? I see. That's probably leather boxing. But yeah, you can you can shrink the image so that you can see more. But even then I believe if you do that, like everything is all smaller, like I think the sprites are different even 
because it scales it all down. Either way, it's not a great way to play Sonic Advance, and I would absolutely love to play it one day, but I cannot, because I do not have an N-Gage. I have not found one in the wild. I've tried to order one, I've tried to import one from, like, Europe, but it seems like most things online, most, like, listings of it online are from, like, China, which I think is a little weird, because I don't really know if the N-Gage had that big of a market over there, or if they're... There's like a weird engage bootlegging uh, hustle going on over there. I don't really know, but I would love to get an engage. I believe they're also super easy to sort of put custom firmware on to just be able to run because I believe the games on the engage run on SD cards. So I believe it's pretty easy to get like a custom firmware so you can just put games on a flash card and then bada bing bada boom. Because I don't think games for that thing are cheap. I don't think getting Sonic N would be a worthwhile investment for how much it will probably cost to get a real cartridge. There is, uh, this might be a bit too not safe for work for this podcast, so I won't go into detail, but there is that rumor about the design of the end game. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 I know what you're talking about. Just, just stop right there. I've stopped. Stop right there. So it does also seem like Sonic Advance did get ported. This is my first time reading about this. Despite the fact that it came out um, 12 years ago. Um, apparently Sonic Advance got ported to the Android? Which, like, like officially. It was apparently part of the Poyo Sega subscription service. Which, I don't even know what that is. It sounds sort of like Sega Channel. Maybe. It seems like there's like a a subscription service. Poyo Sega. Uh, wow, there's a lot of, there's a lot of games as part of this. Um, wow, okay. That's a lot more than I was expecting. But apparently Sonic Advance is one of them, and it seems like it's not... Just like an emulator, it seems like it's a just a straight up port of Sonic Advance, but for Android, and it was in 2011. And it seems like they did. Are there any other? I'm trying to see if there's any other Game Boy Advance games. I'm seeing I'm seeing Choo Choo Rocket, but I do think that's the iOS or the mobile port of Choo Choo Rocket. Yeah, no, it's just Sonic Advance. That's really weird that they would put it on Android. They're not even like iOS. Super strange. And apparently the Android version uses the boss music from Sonic 4 in the X-Zone stage. And there's no Tiny Chow Garden. And it apparently has terrible frame rate on various Android devices of its time. So, it apparently... Not another good way to play Sonic Advance. I wonder if it runs on modern Android. Probably not. I'm sure you could more easily emulate the the original game. Yeah, but that's not fun. It probably doesn't work. Actually, maybe my phone's still old enough. I should get, like, an old-ass Android device and just 
try to play old Android games on it. I mean, if you want but... to play advanced games, you could just put it on your R4. No. That's not fun. Man. I want to play weird. I like I like playing weird versions of games. I'll, I'll have to give Sonic Advance on the Android a try. Do people still know what an R4 is these days? Uh... Because they haven't I been believe... available for ages. I believe kids these days are using Everdrives instead of R4s. Well, kids these days are probably just doing it on their Android. No, I'm saying kids these days as in, like, the modern flash cart scene is more leaning towards Everdrives, though I do not believe there's a DS Everdrive. The R4 pretty much is DS exclusive. Yeah, 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 but I mean, you can put other emulators on, like, for Game Boy Advance. Uh, I had an NES emulator. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cool DS homebrew. Um, I, if I wanted to play GBA games, uh, I have a GBA Everdrive, so... Uh, the main one I wanted was the Nintendo 64 one, but of course it's just so hard to actually get an HDMI modern N64 that I just gave up. They're never available. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I do, I pretty much have EverDrives for all of my systems, except the only, the only EverDrives I don't have is, I do not have the ones for the 8-bit Sega consoles. I do not have one for the Master System, and I don't have one for the Game Gear. But I have pretty much all the other ones. Um, I've accumulated over the past, like, couple of years. Pretty much get, like, two two or three of them a year. Dang. Well, maybe not two, but I basically get, like, one at the beginning of the year and the one at the end. Because that's when I have the most money. Um, But, yeah, I definitely feel your pain on N64. I don't want to get the uh, HDMI mod. It does look nice. But I'm personally just probably going to stick to... Um, well, I S-Video. guess you still have a CRT, right? I do, yes. Yeah, because like from recent experience, playing N64 on the HGTV is just dreadful. It's not that bad. I use it. I have no, to. No, I mean it's not that bad, but it's certainly not good to look at. It, it, well, uh, the N64 period isn't good to look at. <laughs> um, the thing is about. Uh, I think it really depends on your TV and your scaling com or like, uh, how how you're choosing to scale it. Because the thing about N64 is no matter what you try to output on it if you're trying to do composite if you're trying to do s video if you're trying to do rgb you have to mod it to do rgb or if you're trying to do hdmi it's not really gonna look great because the n64 inherently puts a bunch of like blurring filters over a lot of stuff um which it, it really isn't that hard to see or, I mean, it's not that easy to see when you're using composite video because composite video is already blurry enough as is. Um, S-Video, I think... That's why I'm just going to stick to S-Video. I seem to find an S-Video cable for the N64. I've been trying to find one forever, and I can't. I literally called all the, the local game stores around me asking if anyone had a Nintendo S-Video cable, and they none of them had them. 
I uh I don't know what happened to mine be uh because um I borrowed it for a little bit from my parents and then I gave it back to them, but they uh I think they lost it. <laughs> like the, yeah. the all the games. <laughs> Damn, that sucks. Cause N sixty four is definitely one of those systems that's been hit pretty bad by the great retro game inflation. So getting games for that thing is not fun. I mean, look, Especially... if I could just. It's not a big deal because you can just ever drive them. It just kind of sucks that, like, my uh, 500 hour um, Perfect Dark profile is uh, gone. Yeah, that's that's tied to the cartridge. You played Perfect Dark for 500 hours? It was a lot. I didn't even. <laughs> Damn! I haven't played Perfect Dark yet. I've played Goldeneye. I played Goldeneye last year. Dude, you are missing out. You gotta play Perfect Dark. I don't believe oh. this. This is sacrilegious. I Perfect Dark is one of the few rare N64 games I haven't played. I've played... I think I've played more than half of them by now. I own all of them. Once I got... I, I was gifted a copy of Conquer uh, a long time ago. And that's like the hard one to get. So once I got Conquer, I was like, oh, I want to get every Rareware game on N64. And so I did. Oh, you mean Rare the Company. I thought you meant it was Rare. Well, I mean, Conquer's Bad Fur Day is both made by Rare and is Rare. As in, it's not a common game to get, and it's also really expensive. But, I know that yeah, Snowboard I... Kids 2 is like the Holy Grail. It is? I know Snowboard Kids 2 ain't cheap. But it's not, it's not the whole, the holy grail of N64 is Clay Fighter Sculptor's Cut. <laughs> hey, I liked Clay Fighter. I must be like one of the few people who did. But yeah. I have the Sculptor's Cut. I've seen it. Yeah, the Sculptor's Cut is the blockbuster exclusive. And it's, for some reason, the, the, I think, I think it's four figures now. I wouldn't be surprised if getting if trying to buy it is at over a thousand dollars. Uh, it's the holy grail of N sixty four, and then some other expensive N sixty four games just off the top of my head. Um, Bomberman sixty four, the second attack is pretty pretty bad. I want to say Worms Armageddon really? is another bad one. Yeah. And then, like, Conquer's Bad Fur Day is also, like... I feel like Mystical Ninja 2 is one, but that also could be just because I really like Mystical Ninja 2. And I think the Mystical Ninja games are more in the mid-prices. What? How much even is Conquer? I think the Mario Party 3 might have gotten high. Clay Fighter Sculptor's Cut right now is a solid $895. Um, apparently, F1 Racing Championship is $300. Wasn't that a common game? Not anymore. Okay, yeah. Worms Armageddon is $284. Seems like Stunt Racer is $400. Super Bowling is $600. What about, uh, that bowling, that other bowling game, uh, in space? I have no idea. 
team. Oh, all these are like not for resale versions. Bomberman 64 second attack is $222. Uh, these are all systems. These are all systems are not for sale resale. PGA European Tour is 147. That doesn't make Conquered any sense. Sports games are usually not, don't, don't go for that much. I feel like this is one of those cases where the sports games are... Um, I'm not going to say hoarded, but I feel like they probably didn't get like that big of a release. And I'm sure like probably people started hoarding them. I'm, I'm not going to accuse anyone of that, but uh, I think... I don't know. One of the, when there's like a bunch of weird like games that probably had low print runs, uh, it makes sense for them to start like skyrocketing in prices as people try to get every game on the system. Especially since N64 is a pretty popular target for full set collectors due to the fact that there's only like 300 games for it. It's a really small library, so there's a lot of full set collectors that like to go for it. Um, so. Uh, Castlevania Legacy of Darkness is another three three digit one. That's one thirty five. Ogre Battle sixty four. Okay, so it seems Goemon's Great Adventure yes, is one hundred and ten dollars. Okay, well that's one hundred and ten dollars. Okay, then yeah, that's expensive. It, it's peak. It was one hundred and fifty dollars. Um, what else we got here? Uh, everything else is still... Snowboard Kids 2 is 82. Oh. So, yeah, it's definitely not cheap. But it's not... A mi regular Mystical Ninja starring Goemon is $83. Oh, Paper God. Mario. Isn't Paper Mario uh, uncommon? Yeah, Paper Mario is 73 right now, it seems. Pokemon Stadium 2 is also 70... It's like 74. That's not an uncommon game. Yeah. Okay, Mario Party 3 is only $66. I say only $66 if it's cheap, but... Yeah, I mean, I remember Mario Party 3 being sought after quite a bit. I guess it didn't sell amazingly, but that is I mean, it's one it's super late. It's like a 2000-2001 release, right? Mm -hmm. So, that came out tail end of the N64's lifespan. I did so have that, and, uh, yeah, that was one of the... I think right. that was the only Mario Party game that I kept. I mean, that is probably the best out of the three for N64. Um, you In Australia, like... Uh, are your games in NTSE or in, are they in PAL? Uh, for, the, uh, for that era, they were in PAL. So they are separate oh. from the NTSE version. Damn. Yeah, that's part of the problem also, is... With getting a, um, I guess if you're using it with a Mega Drive, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> an EverDrive, it doesn't matter. But I wanted to get a PAL region N64 HDMI modded. And good luck with that. <laughs> oh, Lord. What? Yeah, I always thought the N64 PAL was more, uh, I thought there weren't that many games that, like, ran at the right speed. I thought it was always slower. Well, uh, PAL is 60 hertz, or NTSE is 50 hertz, so wouldn't that mean that PAL runs faster? I believe you've gotten those two mixed up. I think it's the other way around. PAL is, si er, PAL is 50 and NTSE is 60. No way! Alright, I gotta look this up. Yeah. I need to find a way to display PAL stuff on my TVs. 
because there's a lot of PS1 PAL games I want to play, and I don't really have a way. I want to know is if you can get, you know how, like, a bunch of new TVs have, like, the variable refresh rates for, like, so it can do, like, 120 hertz or whatever? I want to know if you can do variable refresh rate to go I down to 50. 50 from? People are saying NTSC is 30 frames and PAL is 25 frames. Well, that's... Oh, hertz. I'm thinking of hertz. Hang on, not frame rate. Hertz. Uh, well, I mean, if a game runs at 30, it would run at 25, I think, for the PAL equivalent. If it runs at 60 on NTSC, it would run at 50 in PAL. You're right. How did I mix this up for so many years? I don't know. It happens. Ah, uh, I always thought PAL was better rather than clearly not correct. NTSC is the one that runs faster, which... I mean, it really doesn't matter too much in the grand scheme of things. I mean, obviously, there's plenty of people in Europe and Australia and whatever other regions used PAL that, you know, they played plenty of games at 50 hertz, and it was totally fine for them. I think now, um, what with the internet kind of trying to be sort of, uh, maybe like, I'm not going to say like authoritative, but like, Trying to be authoritative. Um, once they learn that, like, oh, these games run faster on NTSC, that means it's better, and like people kind of dismiss PAL versions of games. I mean, um, I was—I don't think it mattered a whole lot except for certain games where the content was different across versions. But I mean, it doesn't matter that much. I just did PAL, even they PAL because it's what I was more more, more used to. But again, I don't think it matters yeah. a whole lot. Unless it was I something that... like, I can't think of a game right now that did that had like fixes in the PAL version or something like that. The well, the most infamous example for PAL versus NTSC is Sonic One, obviously, where the PAL version of Sonic One ran roughly like ten percent slower the entire game than the uh, US version, to the point where. Even the music was slowed down. Oh. So, um, I remember seeing, like, comments on the U.S. versions of... Or, I mean, I remember seeing comments on the internet of people that played Sonic initially on PAL. Um, and that was their their way to kind of understand the game. That's where they, like, figured... Like, that's, where, that's how they got used to the game, was the PAL version. And then they would see, like... The Green Hill Zone be played, uh, like the Green Hill music be played somewhere else, and they're like, "Is that the Speed Shoes version? Why is it fast?" When really they're playing just a game that they're used to a game that's slower, because yeah, the whole game for PAL Sonic One is just slower. Did they fix that for Gems? Because I don't remember this at all. Uh, I'm sure Sonic Gems or Sonic or Mega Collection or whatever. I believe. Every compilation version of Sonic 1 uses the latest revision, which I believe is the Japanese version. And that version runs at 60 hertz. So that's NTSC. Because NTSC is America and Japan. And then PAL is pretty much the rest of the world. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of elitists that are trying to like feel NTSC is the only good one. And they get in, like, a... There's a lot of people really get upset when something like 
Sony puts only PAL versions of games on like the PlayStation Classic instead of the NTSC version because people are like, oh no, it's slower. Which I don't know. I like I like how Nintendo on N sixty four online they have an option. You can choose between the US, the NTSC or PAL versions of games. So I think it should just be an option. I think it's interesting that like you're talking about the frame rate of mutism sort of thing. Yeah. Wasn't uh, it's a, what I was thinking of at all. It's a it's a real thing, unfortunately. There's a lot of people on the internet that are very particular on how they want their games to look and run. And yeah, you, there's a lot of different ways you can show uh, how your game looks. I think going back to N64, it's a uh, you can't, there's no best way to get a picture out of an N64 in that yeah, you're either going to have a blurry image or you're going to have, like, a really weird-looking sharp image if you try to go for the HDMI mod. So it's just it's just all down to preference. Hmm. Yeah. Anyways, literally none of the stuff that we've been talking about for, like, the past 20 minutes have had anything to do with Sonic Advance whatsoever. No, but I'm sure it was enjoyable. Yeah? <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if you're just gonna like find like a cutoff point. Oh no, I will include that. Oh, you will? Yeah. Hell yeah! Let's go. I was gonna, I was gonna, honestly gonna say like, I don't know if you're going to just cut it off before the whole ramble started, or I mean, we haven't you're just gonna really close it off yet. So. Uh yeah, I honestly didn't know if uh. Yeah, no, if you're keeping all that, yeah, please title this episode just Sonic Advance, probably. Because, like, we talked about Sonic Advance for maybe, like, 60% the whole time. Definitely more than half, but we, we went off topic a lot. But I like I like going off topic. Was there another thing you forgot? You said there were two about, things. About Sonic Advance? You said there were two things. No, that was the. I said there were two things. There was the tiny chow garden and the multiplayer. Ah. And then after the multiplayer, it was the engage port and Android port. Okay. All Which right. I still actually can I even get OTK? Time to go to a sketchy website. Uh, let's see. Sonic Advance 2011 Android APK. Okay, well, I guess <laughs> we should uh, find a way to wrap this up. Someone made a mod for the Android version of Sonic Advance to actually make it run well. Why? I want to play the game like... I want to I know how bad it was. <laughs> Alright, well, look, I guess we should wrap this up. You can find both of us on Twitch and Twitter. I'm... Holgast, H-O-L-G-A-S-T. And the I'm, other I'm guy J is JT Duckman. <laughs> I'm JT Duckman. Oh my, I'm sorry, I'm watching I'm watching footage of this Android port. It's It's something. So, um Yes, I am way, G You said yes, if what? you got to set ten episodes you would set up socials. Is that is that actually going to happen? Um I guess it will. 
Maybe it will happen. Should we? Should we? Should we share the account? We don't have an account yet. I, yeah, but when we make one, should we share it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if if you want to make an account and we just kind of share the credentials between us and we just kind of both use it and just like retweet Sonic news slash Sonic slash post Sonic memes slash um post when we upload new episodes. I would a hundred. I would be one million percent down to contribute to that because I use Twitter like an alcoholic. So, um, yeah. I mean, I uh, I have like an old account that I don't really use. It's for baseball. Um, so I mean, I'm kind of. Sick I mean, of Twitter to be honest. I am not super sick of Twitter. Um, but you want just super kill out? It has to be taken. Let's see. Yeah, it's one guy with two followers. But look, that's okay. We can just add pod to the end. <laughs> Sonic side account for funsies. They them. Is super is that is that? Hey, okay, yeah, that is that is not a account. So yeah, we could just do super peel out pod. Great. Uh, just do. I don't think anybody's gonna nick it because we have very few listeners. But yeah, if you wanna just like park that at some point, you can. I bet. No, you um... know what? I have the email address. Uh. If you want, you can make the account and then just send me the freaking login details, and then I can just make it as one of my alts, and then we can just use it. In yeah, cool. And then I'll probably retweet. just like forget to use it. But yeah, that's cool. Um, I won't forget to use it. I could, if you, I could, I can keep it going. Just look at Sonic memes. I'll, I'll I don't know. I'll have to. I don't know if I, I'm not really that good at making memes, but it would be funny to just randomly <laughs> post. Uh, well, look, you can email us if you want at superpeeloutpod at gmail.com. Uh, we don't check it very often because nothing's happened yet, but maybe <laughs> maybe if anyone emails us, uh, we will check it more often. But that's that's kind of a... that's hypocritical, isn't it? Like, that's a contradiction. <laughs> How would you know if someone emailed us if we don't check it? Well, yeah, I feel like it'd probably just be better to set up a Twitter and get that linked. Also, yo, have you seen this? No. What is this? Look at this. Some guy is remaking Sonic 3D Blast. Uh, how is this different from the director's cut? No, oh, like... It's a, it's a straight remake, okay. Yes. What the hell? This is awesome. Oh, it supports widescreen too? It doesn't really have that much done outside of like the, the beginning little ledge with tails, but... It already looks great. Yeah. God, Sonic fan games. I need to play them, but they don't play games on PC. Alright, well look, um... Yeah, that's stuff. Uh, once again, we can't 
end the podcast very well. <laughs> That's part of our charm. Yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs>